coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, it's time for The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio. Now, here's your host, Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Bill Alexander Show with yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and I'm so glad you're able to join me today because we have a treat for you today. The reason I say that is because a few months back, I got to interview this individual's brother, and now I get to interview him. Now, he's been on a lot of things, but I think the one thing he's most recognized for, let me see if I can do this right now. And that is the theme to my three sons. Now, who I have on the on the phone right now or on the video chat right now is Barry Livingston, who played Ernie, the youngest brother on my three sons. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks. So what is it like to be the agent that you are right now and still be recognized for a character you played as a child? Okay, well, number one, I'm usually not i'm recognized if people kind of make a point of pointing it out but i'm not recognized on the street anymore for that i mean that was 60 years ago so uh i've changed a little bit and i've done a lot of different things beyond my three sons but uh yes that's that's you know we'll be on my tombstone here lies ernie douglas and it'll say uh for more credits see back of tombstone so that will have your international movie database listing on the back, right? Exactly, exactly. So when I when I talked to your brother, he was mentioning, and that is uh, uh, Stanley. When I was talking to him, he was talking about how you got onto the program and how you got into acting. Uh-huh. And he was saying that he was he was found on the basically the set of Ozzy and Harriet because he was just roaming around. When you got into it, what got you interested? Was it your brother or was it just something that you thought you could do too? Yeah, well, television was the medium that everybody was wild about in the 50s when I was born. So, uh, you know, I was loved I Love Lucy and The Honeymooners and Captain Kangaroo and all the TV shows. So, you know, it didn't escape me that uh, that, that, that it was a an exciting romantic world and then of course my brother suddenly got part of it uh and uh you know and yes you know we we worked together actually uh once on the ozzy and harriet show together and then he went on to do my three sons and then i wound up pretty much taking what his slot in the show was which the little kid in the neighborhood boy that would go with ozzy to the malt shop and adventures and he wound up doing 16 episodes over about two or three years and whenever you joined My Three Sons, you were joined at, uh, basically, they wrote you in as a, I want to say a foster child. How did that work? Well, um, of course, you know, when I came on, nobody made any mention of the fact that I was a foster child. I just was the boy next door. And okay. then when Tim Considine decided to leave the show, uh, and Tim played Mike, the, the original oldest son, um, you know, they needed, uh, there was a hole, a hole in the outfield, you know, for for somebody. And uh, so, uh, you know, conveniently, I, whether they planned this far in advance, I don't know. But uh, I was uh, then told I was a foster child. And my the story had it that my parents had to leave the country. And, of course, the Douglases then adopted me. Which, again, is a unique story. Now, how long did it take for the people watching the program to realize that you and Stanley 
or Ernie and Chip were brothers in real life. I don't know. I mean, some people don't even know today, you know, because the last names may be the same, but you look nothing alike. No, we don't then and now. And uh, we're frankly, very different types of people. So, uh, you know, I love my brother and, you know, we're, we're, we get along great and got along well then. But but yeah, you know, I mean, people don't read the credits sometimes. So uh, I'm 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 sometimes surprised to hear when when people are shocked to, to find out that we're actual brothers. It's, you know, it's right there. It's been there for 50, 60 years on television and print and everywhere else. So people are still surprised. Does it amaze you that the program's still on the air? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there, there was back in the day. You do your show. If you were lucky, your show got syndicated, and you you would see some money from that, and you, and it would be shown, you know, around the country in syndication. And then uh, there was a brief lull between the time where syndication, the My Three Sons, was around the country in reruns, and then that stopped. But then along came. Nick at Night in TV Land, and uh, suddenly there was a new channel that really needed content, and it was all based on nostalgia. So yes, I mean it was a shock to everybody that that you suddenly what you did at that time, maybe ten years prior, suddenly was now being watched by millions of people again, and uh, and again today, you know, there are all these other retro-oriented shows like, I mean, the networks, MeTV and Audience TV and a few others. So, yes, you know, it's it's shocking, but it's, it doesn't surprise me. It's a, it's a really good show. Did anybody ever approach you and your brother about doing some type of a spinoff of the program or a revival? Uh, yeah, actually, it came closest to um, to being to being done uh, and uh, by Michael Douglas, of all people. And I, I was doing an episode of Will and Grace. I just let me let me interject at this point. I've been an actor for a very, yeah. very long time, any working actor. So to your listeners, My Three Sons is not the only thing I've done. Right. I'm very proud of it. But I wound up doing it, I guess, starring on an episode of Will and Grace that Michael was on. And, and so, you know, I'd read in the trades that Mike was going to be had was developing a script he was going to play steve douglas uh and then it just nothing ever came of it so i actually had an opportunity to ask him because i i don't travel in those circles with with the michael douglases of the world and anyway mike said well yeah you know we could never get a script that i thought captured the essence of the show in its original you know in its original innocence and still be contemporary to reflect the problems of the world today that kids are going through, because that was probably in the 1990s. So, you know, the, right. the world had changed dramatically. And he said, I, you know, that that was it for me. I just couldn't couldn't find the tone to actually get it done. That's a shame, because I think it would be very interesting to be able to see it and how they would be able to modernize it, especially in 2022. I think it'd be very interesting because well, there's a lot of this. The great, the, the best, the best. Uh, you know, series that actually I thought captured what Mike was talking about was the Brady Bunch because they had a they had a gimmick that that they could m maintain who they were in the in the fifties like they'd never changed or I mean they were more like the seventies I guess seventies yeah but then they were they were conflicting with the modern world mm -hmm. and that kind of was was a really genius idea to be able to encapsulate both of those worlds where you saw the people that you loved in their kind of normal way that they you know lived with each other but they'd have to deal with the modern problems of the real world i thought well you know good more power to them they, they really did it for that 
So you were mentioning that you've been an actor for 50 years and you have a long list of credits. And um, I mean, you've been on NCIS Los Angeles, you've been on Rizzoli Isles, you've been on, um, well, let's see, The Middle, you just Middle, did an episode. Diamond, diamond. I, I was, I'm currently on Bosch, uh, the TV series Bosch on Amazon. And, uh, but, you know, prior to that, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, right. Grace, Dead to Me, uh, Narcos, Mexico. Um, so, yes, I'm, I've been very fortunate that my career has sustained itself. And, and the, the other one recently was How I Met Your Father. That yes, yes. In the one episode, you really don't say anything. You just sit there. <laughs> you just something. look. <laughs> oh, I have some looks, but no, no, there yeah. was dialogue involved. But yes, it was primarily yeah. watching Kyle McLaughlin uh, lose his mind in a divorce, <laughs> divorce. proceedings. Yeah. yeah. So when, when whenever you do these programs, do the other younger performers know who you are? Or do they just think you're a guy coming in, filling a part? Uh, nobody really kind of brings it up. Sometimes they do. When I, I did an episode of Castle, and uh, and Nathan Fillion knew who I was and right. you know, made a point of coming up and saying, gee, I really loved that show. <laughs> uh, when I did Narcos Mexico, I forget the guy, Scoot, uh, Scoot McInery. It's a great show, you know, very super dramatic. And, uh, you know, I mean, the type of guy that I would think would not really be that, that grew up with my three sons. And he was very, very uh, impressed that I'd flown down to Mexico City to be to be in his show. Uh, so it's a hit and miss thing. Sometimes people know, sometimes they don't. And I, if you want to talk about it, I'm perfectly fine. Right. I don't bring it up. I'm there to do a certain other kind of character and a job. And that has very little to do with what I'm there for, really. So when you when you when you do these parts, do you still have to audition or do they come looking for you? It's it's primarily audition. Occasionally something comes along where there's an offer. But uh, yeah, you know, for the most part, that's the nature of the business has been that way forever. I, I, I mean, good company. Brando had to audition for The Godfather. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm shocked that that when I hear actors, particularly some of my peers uh, who did their television series long ago, felt that that uh, you know maybe they they earned their stripes and they don't need auditioning for and I, I just i never understood that i just went i don't know where where you're getting that information because there's no free rides and you are constantly having to reinvent and re revalidate your membership in the club uh so why you think you, you should just be handed uh, you know a plum role in a new series i can never figure that out a lot of those guys felt that way i was recently watching um the rookie and oh. you played earl yeah. who played was a hoarder yes <laughs> and that can i tell you something if i didn't know who you were i wouldn't know who you were because that is way off the the spectrum that i think you would do which uh -huh. was amazing oh it was it was great fun uh because yes i look really really scruffy and really like you know you could you could smell me coming through the television <laughs> screen because i had this really disgusting little little house that was just full of crap uh yes and uh it was it was that was i loved doing stuff like that where you really get to play a, you know an odd all character do you do you have a certain genre that you like to do or you like to do everything I like to do everything, you know, and and as I'm a journeyman actor, you know, I'm I'm not a star, 
I'm I'm a character actor. Um, I'm not opposed to being a star. It's just that's what where it's at. Uh, but nonetheless, it's it's just whatever comes down the pike. I'm I'm open to doing it, and you know, particularly if it's, I mean, I've turned down things here and there, but but for the most part, it's all it's all good. Is there something that that w- would be offered to you that you would turn down? What wouldn't you do? Uh, I wouldn't do frontal nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Has that, that been offered? <laughs> uh, that said, I did something very close to that in a new uh-huh. upcoming series for Peacock, which I probably shouldn't say anything more about, uh, but a show called Mrs. Davis. But nonetheless, I, you know, I show a lot of lot of skin in this. Uh, but but again, I went well. If they wanted to go if that that far, I'm I'm out. You know, and it has to make sense if it's if it's gratuitous. And it has nothing to do with the script other than, you know, some crazy ass idea. Then I'm I'm out. But um, but yeah, I, you know, there's not much that I say no to. So if someone would approach you and say, hey, we got an idea. We want you to play a crazy uncle on a TV sitcom. Would you do it? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I have a good I have a couple of good role models. Well, that's why I was asking that, because I can see you doing that and watching you on on some of the other programs that I've seen you on within the last few years. You have a very large range and it's interesting. Um, do you like doing TV? Would you rather do movies? What would uh... Uh, I again? I've been fortunate to be in a couple of Oscar nominated Oscar winning films. Argo won Best Picture, Social Network. Uh, Zodiac were all both nominated for Oscars, so I'm thrilled when I get an opportunity to be to be in a really high budget, big, you know, splashy thing. But I, it, the the real, the real quality work today seems to be in television. So um, I, I'm very happy to work in both fields and wherever. I love working on stage um, if something comes along. Uh, with some of the people you've worked with in the past, is there anybody you like working with the most? Oh, the most. Um, geez, that's a good question. Because I've seen you done, like you said, you did you did the rookie. You also did Castle, so that has Fillion in it. So is he someone you like to work with? He was great. Yeah, he was great. Uh, You know, yeah. There's very few people that I that I've worked with that I, and there are a few that I didn't particularly care for, but I'm not going to say who they are. But uh, but that could have been a bad day for people, you know. And they're right. It's a tough gig when you know for me to come in and you do a day or two or three or a week and you're just the new person there and that other person is there nonstop for eight months, 15 hour days and you just sort of pop up. It's it's very kind of, I can understand that it's, it, you just can't open yourself up to every person that comes on the show. I do love working with Titus Welliver who plays Bosch in the TV series Bosch. Uh, I met him actually when we were working on on Argo, and uh, he has been a, a great friend and just a terrific actor to work with. When I when I look at your when I look at your uh, credits here that you've done, when my three sons left, were you afraid you were going to be typecasted, or were you ready to embrace that typecast and going, I'm going to do whatever it takes to do work? I. I uh... I rejected being rejected is how I I kind of have come to this conclusion. <laughs> uh, there was the common thought that okay your career's over or you know it's going to be really really hard and I was aware of that. My parents were 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 quite vocal about 
you know, you're you're probably headed for a pretty difficult time because they'd been in round for a long time and they'd seen this many stars, child stars come and go and and have all kinds of addiction problems. And so I was, you know, it wasn't like uh, I wasn't being forewarned that there was some some rough seas ahead. But, uh, you know, I, I t- took acting seriously and I really wanted to be a good actor. And I studied with people like Martin Landau and a guy named Jack Garfine. And I went and I, I got it in my head. I wanted to be a stage actor. So I went to New York and I worked on Broadway and worked a little off Broadway. And actually the guy, Roddy McDowell, who was one of the, the great child stars of the um, MGM in the 30s, mm-hmm. I guess, I did a TV movie with him. Uh, called The Elevator, which was actually a very good, very good film. Uh, and I asked him, I said, you know, I was 18, 19, and I, just off Sons, I guess. And I said, what did you do? And he said, I went to New York, and I would advise you to go learn your craft and, and learn about life. You know, go go get out of Hollywood. It's it's pretty plastic here. And, and you know, hit the streets in New York. You'll, you'll It'll be a great education. And that's what I did. So do you think with all these streaming services now that there's more opportunity out there for you than there was before? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that there's um, there definitely is a need because the content for the demand for content is enormous right now. Um, again, there's a lot of things that have changed. Um, uh, quite honestly, diversity casting, which I'm in favor of, meaning meaning that. Right. They- it's every person of every gender and every color gets a shot at the role uh formerly you know reserved for old white guys with glasses and no hair you know that was like the accountant lawyer well that could be anybody now. right so right. you know it's, it's the nature of of the way the the world has gone and and, and business and again i i have no no qualms with that other than it's it's reduced my uh you know, the the odds of getting a job in roles that I would have had probably less of a, an issue 25 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, it's just more competitive. It's, it's more competitive than ever. So, um, you know, that that's something you got to consider, and it's just the way it is and deal with it. So how did COVID affect your career the last two years? Well, actually, I did the, did the rookie at the height of COVID, the, the film industry and TV was just starting to figure out can we can we even do this and not have to shut down every other week because somebody on the set or the major star got COVID. So it was really, really overkill. I, maybe not overkill, but it was definitely, it had come, you know, you tested three, four, five times before you'd even get on the set. Once you got on the set, you'd have to you know, they had a little tent for you, a little your little private tent, and they'd zip you up in that thing, and you'd sit there like in your, your little hermetically sealed tent, you know, so you're keeping you away from the germs, and the actors had a zone A, they called it, where you're you're supposed to just stay in this area here. And then, you know, when you do your scenes, it was like when we were doing The Rookie, you know, um, I'd have to wear a mask, and, you know, in rehearsals and talking, and then suddenly they're ready to shoot it, and they go, okay, uh, all right, get ready. Actually, you know, roll them. And then somebody would come in and you'd throw your mask, take it off and throw it into a bag. And that person would be your handler and you do your scene and then cut. And then that same person would come running back in and you have to throw in your mask. And, you know, it was it was, uh, you know, it was definitely uh, just the way it was. I mean, if you wanted to work, I guess I was somewhat grateful that they were being cautious. But it was, you know. It was it was hard to kind of roll with that. Uh, the last few jobs that I've done have not been that anywhere near that con- conscientious or cautious. Uh, 
Uh, but there still is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fretting going on, a lot of, a lot of money at stake when they have to shut down because mm-hmm. the star got sick or, or a major person involved in that gets sick or some of the crew. So, you know, they're, they're still pretty cautious. So do you like doing stage performing better than, say, TV or movies, or is it the um, other way around? It's fun, and it because it, you know it's the old cliche: the reaction you get is immediate, and it's it's true though. And um, it's you know it's it's you're alive, you know it's fly by the seat of your pants for two hours or whatever. And uh, you know I, I did a play a few years ago, which was a lot of fun, called Stella's Last J Date. Uh, and um, you know it's it doesn't pay anything, so you do it more as almost a labor of love. But that said, it's 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 really a lot of fun, <laughs> and, and that part of it is makes it worthwhile. Because uh, I have a son, my oldest is twenty two, just graduated with his degree in musical theater of all things, and he just signed. He's working in Virginia right now in Bush Gardens, and he's working on three contracts down there right now through oh, wow. the holiday season. So I've always I always ask when I talk to performers like that to see what they would recommend because I really don't understand the life, but he loves it and he loves being a part of it and he loves working and the extensive hours and everything else. But what do you recommend to somebody that wants to get into the craft that you're doing? Get a realtor's license. That's <laughs> I said that the people got into radio too. Uh- <laughs> it's, it's, it's a brutal business. And to, to suggest to anybody that, you know, do you inflict that on your psyche and all of the pain and rejection and high hopes that you have that are always, you know, stretched out and then you finally hear a no. And again, it's 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 so so hard to recommend it to anybody. But then again, people are driven and they they have to do it. And, and there are people that succeed fabulously. So you just have to follow your heart, you know, just be as good as you can be, study get in with uh, some like-minded folks, some some people that equally are committed. And, uh, you know, and if you're ready and good and you're in the right place, right time, it's you'll you'll get lucky. You know, that's pretty much it. Um, you, you mentioned working uh, on Will and Grace with Michael Douglas. Did he remember you working with him on Streets of San Francisco? I brought that up <laughs> and we'd worked for a couple of days and I thought, uh, you know, he didn't make any mention of it. Okay. He didn't make any mention of Ernie. Not maybe he just didn't connect the name Barry Livingston with, with the show that he was supposedly developing. Uh, I finally Which went is up very him. unique that yeah, he wouldn't I, realize who you were. I mean, yeah. I kind of thought it was a little unique and, and unusual, but I finally went up to him and I said, Mike, I don't know if you know, who I am, not that I expect, and you know, <laughs> you to, to know, but but I was on that TV series that you're putting some money into, and I, you know, I'm not looking for a job if it happens, great, <laughs> but I'm just curious. And he, oh yeah, yeah, I knew who you were, yeah, I knew who you were. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I so. But he, the he, other thing is, and I forgot about this, that you you played. Um, I guess it was a made for T it was made for TV and they did it as a, uh, Oh, it would be a lifetime film today or hallmark, but you were in the OJ Simpson story. Oh, right. Yeah. It's OJ's doctor. Yeah. And you were OJ's doctor. How was that playing that individual while that whole turmoil was going on? 
Yeah, it was still playing out. Uh, it was seemed like they were just writing it as they went along. You know, okay. it really it felt like, uh, yeah, it just felt uh, I don't. It just it didn't feel very developed to me. Uh, I, don't, I don't recall it that well. I do do recall who I played and I recalled the the series. But uh, then again, I, I just felt like, well, they didn't know the ending, and it's hard to write something that right. makes sense unless you know the outcome. Uh, so it, it felt a little haphazard, as I recall. So, I mean, you've done some some programs that would be going, I mean, part of American Psyche. I mean, for goodness sake, you were on the West Wing as mm -hmm. a speechwriter. Yeah. And that show in, in the early 2000s really opened a lot of people's eyes the way government worked. Yeah. Because it was very close to what was going on at that time. Yeah, no, it was a great show. It was a great day, actually, because I, I, uh, the casting, I got cast in an ER and the, the days were going to conflict, like they were both needed me on the same day. But as it turned out, the casting director was casting both shows and both shows shot on the same Warner Brother lot. So they were able to uh, cast me in both. And in the morning, I worked in West Wing. And then in the afternoon, I walked over to another soundstage and worked on ER, which that's a pretty good day to be in those two iconic shows in, in one day. Uh, I got actually that scene that I did for uh, ER, it got cut. I don't know why, but um, but it was, you know, it was pretty cool to be in both those those cool shows. So do you have a problem making, I mean, making fun of yourself as a child star and everything else? Do I? Not at all. <laughs> no, okay. I don't Look because I've been to ask you that because you were in the David Spade movie, Dickie Roberts, yeah, former yeah. child star. And again, that was just him trying to come out into the real world, not think, not, I mean, finally realizing the world wasn't revolving around him, that he had yeah. to actually do something. Yeah. Did you feel that way as a child or did, was it just, no, but, you know, out? oddly enough, I, I remember doing, we got paid pretty well. And we did, all we did is a little song at the end. I remember being really super sick that day. I had like a fever. I felt shitty and crappy as can be. And, uh, but, you know, but then I, I kind of thought, ah, you know, I'm, I'm here I am with this giant chorus of, you know, what people, some people call has-beens. Right. And, and, you know, I would, some people call me a has-been for that matter. Uh, so, yeah, it was a weird, weird day to do all that. But I thought, okay, get over yourself. You know, you're, these are people I've known forever. It's a pretty funny movie, as I recall. And actually, the point of the movie was was actually valid in that, as I recall, his story is he's a child actor, his series has gone away now, he's trying to become an adult, but something's wrong. And he realizes right. he missed something in his childhood, mm -hmm. like growing up as a family, uh, just the real experiences of, of a boy who wasn't a star. So he hires the family, right? That's what he does. Mm -hmm. he, he goes back Dickie, as Dickie Roberts and hires a family to to live with, to, to fill in all of the, you know, the things that a normal child would have experienced to hopefully make him a better adult. And I thought, well, you know, that's that's actually a pretty cool idea. And, and I think is actually not not unrelevant or era. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool, I thought. So, so now asking you about that, do you feel that you and your brother had a relatively normal childhood or because yeah. of the acting and everything, it just was distorted. 
Uh, it was distorted, but it was relatively normal too. You know, I mean, uh, because we did go back to public school, my parents made it made it pretty clear when we were on hiatus, uh, we didn't just roll off and go do some Disney movie or some other love boat or whatever. You know, we we were sent back to the big house with all of the other inmates. <laughs> and, uh, and took our licks like all the other kids did, which again, that's like an important phase of a teenager's life is, you know, being seeing girls you want to go out with and right. get rejected or being laughed at or, you know, and going through all of the, you know, the process of uh, trying out for certain clubs or drama classes or whatever, you know, so all of that was important things for me as a human being i think to kind of experience then again that said it wasn't you know i still would have to go back to work on my three sons and i you know i was famous i was a famous kid going to a public school so that in itself was a little bit you know fraught with some some peril uh but nonetheless you know most most kids are pretty darn good you know most kids were just if you came at them as a real human being and didn't ask the, for special treatment well you know you you, you find your own friends and I, I made a lot of great friends and still have them do you do any of the comic cons that uh, celebrities or stars of your of your uh, age are doing now i used to and i'm over it you, you know i mean uh it's it's lovely to meet fans but honestly the covid thing just 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 turned me off to being in a big room with a lot of people milling around everybody wants you nobody wants to see you there with a mask on so you got to take your mask off and right you want a picture with you you can't have here's ernie wearing a mask you know it's like <laughs> so you can't do that so uh yeah honestly i kind of think i'm done with that for at least for the foreseeable future because i was curious about those because i've seen a lot of performers do them and i'm thinking why um why money. are they doing them are they doing them to meet money. the fans oh well okay money, money. that's that's <laughs> why they do it it's, yes the fans are there and they like to meet the fans but they also like to get the money that's so is the money that good well for some people it's phenomenal i mean really God, if you're bill shatner if you're you know uh you know anybody anybody associated with a sci-fi thing I, okay. I was I did one in New York not too you know ten years ago maybe, uh, and Paul Rubens who is Pee Wee Herman Pee Wee Herman yeah before. and this was one of the premier autograph shows in in the country called the Chiller Theater, I think there's one coming up and I was asked to do it in October but I I declined, but anyway Paul had never done uh, uh, he had hadn't put his Pee Wee outfit on since his fall from grace which I think was a horrible miscarriage of justice because agreed sweet yeah. guy and great great character and anyway so he wasn't sure how he was going to be received <laughs> and i tell you it was like it was like the beatles had showed up he had a line that just wrapped around the building they had to move him into his whole other building just because you know people had come with all the peewee paraphernalia right. and memorabilia and he just he probably walked away with 50 grand in his pocket that wow. day or more and and there are guys that that you know if god if mark hamill or one of those guys did it i was like they'd, they'd make 100 grand a day you know easy uh because they you know it's 50 yeah it's a 50 bucks a signature or 20 bucks and you just whew, whew, 50 bucks 100 bucks 150 yeah. bucks it's like that fast you're just you're just you know that's amazing to me breaking in the dough 
you, you can't do it fast enough. Um, so more power to them, more money to them. Yeah. So what do you have? What are you working on right now that you can talk about? Um, I say this show, Mrs. Davis, I just finished uh, that. Uh, it'll be on Peacock, the Peacock Network, and I'm going to start a movie uh, next month called Isabel's Garden. Uh, and then I just, you know, just doing the actor thing, just, just auditioning for a lot of things. And, uh, and everything is self-taped now, which is kind of weird because I loved getting auditions and going on studio lots and you meet with the casting people and they, you know, you, you'd get your shot in the room. Uh, you don't get in the room anymore. And and that's going to be a hard thing for people coming up in the business that, that want to get established and, and known by casting people is they just, may, maybe they do meet unknown people now if they're recommended. But, you know, it used to be part of their day that they would have agents would recommend some really hot new client and they'd probably get a meet and greet with a, an agent, with a casting director just to familiarize them with who they are. Uh, you know, that doesn't have, I don't think that happens at all anymore maybe they do it by zoom but it's not as effective i think so yeah. you know that's what i do but i audition pretty much every day well barry i appreciate you taking time talking to me this has been a pleasure and um, i wish you the best of luck and if anything comes along that you're uh, doing in the future you want to talk about please feel welcome to come back in the program again okay. are you doing what everybody else is doing are you writing a book yet Oh, I wrote one a few years ago and got it actually a New York publisher. It's called The Importance of Being Ernie. Okay. Uh, so not The Importance of Being Earnest. That's that's Oscar Wilde's book. But my book is called The Importance of Being Ernie. Uh, and my editor came up with that that title. And it's uh, available. You can find it on Amazon. And it, it came, I'm really proud of it. It's, it's, it's uh, I thought, captures, you know, um, what happened to me as a, as a young man and as a child and growing up. Um, and, um, yeah, it, I think it works. So, yeah, I've been told it's a fun read. So check it out. I look forward to uh, finding it and reading it. All right. So, again, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And it was a pleasure talking to you. All right. Thank you, Bill. Bye-bye. A big thank you goes out to Barry Livingston for being a part of the program today. What a blast that was to be able to talk to him about his days on My Three Sons and also his acting career after My Three Sons and what it was like growing up in Hollywood. Again, what a pleasure it was. And Barry, thank you very much. And thank you for uh, watching and listening to us on this edition of The Bill Alexander Show. Guys, you have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to The Bill Alexander Show. The Bill Alexander Show is a million-dollar baby production. For more information, go to thebillalexandershow.com.